So I wanted to, um, I wanted to talk to you guys this weekend uh, about an opportunity that God gives us. I want to talk to you about a struggle that we have in embracing that opportunity. And then I want to I talk to you like, about some ways that you can take advantage of it, like some, some practical stuff, right? So uh, last weekend was Easter. It was awesome. And it was great to be together. Great to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior. And uh, we focused on this uh, one verse a lot uh, last week, and it's this one out of 1 Peter. So Peter says this, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's by his great mercy that we've been born again because God raised Jesus from the dead. And so we talked a lot about that, that Jesus and his love for us, like steps out of heaven, he comes to earth. That's kind of the Christmas story. He lives on earth with skin on. That's what makes God make sense to us. So we know God through his son, Jesus. We can kind of download that because of Jesus's humanity. You see the great love of Jesus. So Jesus showed us the full extent of his love through his suffering and his death. So Jesus assures us of of his love. When he laid his life down on the cross, what he was doing was he was that Bible says he's taking the sins of the world upon his shoulders. So everything that's been done to me, everything that I've done, all the wrong, he takes that upon his shoulders. He dies in our place to help us be right with God. And then we said all that's amazing and incredible and it's true. And what makes it powerful and life-changing is that he raised again from the dead. So the resurrection is what affirms Jesus's deity It's what gives power to his teaching. It's how we can have confidence that through him we have the forgiveness of sin. We have the ability to to be born again or have this new life. So I'm freed. I'm freed from my past. I'm freed from my weaknesses. I'm freed from what other people did to me, the sin they committed to me, the wounds of life. And I am a new creation, the Bible says, and I can live as a new creation with the past behind me and my future in front of me and it's life changing it's from the resurrection that we have all of that hope it's from the resurrection that all of that power is brought to us so the bible says god gives us everything we need for life and godliness so god does all of that work in us and for us it's because of the resurrection that we would have like the hope of heaven that we'll be with Christ one day, that there's life after death, sins can be forgiven, reunification can happen with others who follow Jesus. Like all of that is built around the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So what Peter says is he's like, hey guys, like all of this stuff that, that we talked about last week, and that's, it's on podcasts, the internet, stuff like that if you wanna listen to it, but like praise to, to the Father, it's his mercy, we're born again, the resurrection gives credence to that. And then he says this, this statement, it's really powerful. He says, now we live with great expectation. So what he's saying is because of the mercy of God, because of our rebirth and because of the resurrection, my life, which w- might've been fatalistic, my life, which might've been defined by the dumbest thing that I ever did, my life that was defined by other people who wounded me, all that can be erased And now I live in great expectation, the expectation that comes from the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the expectation that comes from God's power and his presence in my life, the expectation that comes from the hope of heaven and from the power of God to give me everything that I live with life and and godliness. So the implication of that 
statement would be this, that once I'm a Christ follower, my sins are forgiven, I accept what Jesus did on the cross, I live in the power of the resurrection, the idea kind of would be that like I wake up every morning in that identity. So I wake up in the morning, I'm like, you know what I am? I'm a Jesus follower. You know what I am? I'm a child of God. You know what I am? I'm a new creation. And that identity and that expectation is what defines my outlook for the day. When I think of a crisis, when I think of a challenge, when I think of the accusations of the evil one, when I think of lies that I tell myself that I'm not worthy and all those kind of things, that I live in this expectation, not of who I am and not of my positive thinking, but of who Christ is and what he did and the power of his resurrection. And the idea would be that I would wake up and that expectation would define my day, mark my day. I would live in the joy of the Lord, the power of the Lord, the anticipation of the Lord, the hope of the Lord. And that would be kind of what dominates my thoughts and thinking every day, right? That would be the idea, that I live with great expectation, okay? Now, how many of you do that? Like, me neither. <laughs> so that, that would be the idea. Like, like this life-changing, world-changing thing has happened, and we know about it, and like we celebrated it, and we celebrate it for real, but then life hits, and it feels like that truth and that power slips away really quickly, right? So I'm more apt, I'm more apt to wake up defined by the pressures of my life and the frustrations of my life than I am to wake up with the great expectation that comes from the salvation, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, right? So that's, isn't it funny how that works? Like, even, like Easter weekend, you, can, you do Easter weekend, it's awesome, we had a great time together here at the church, we're talking about Jesus and his salvation, his resurrection, you leave church, you're kind of like amped up spiritually, you would be like, I, I believe, I agree, I'm in. Like you don't get through rock knees before that starts to go away, you're like, why can't they get my fries right, right? It's just amazing like how quickly life and pressure like surrounds you so that my life is not defined by living with great expectation. My life is, is often directed and my outlook is directed by the pressures and the things that I would struggle with in this world, okay? So we've been given this opportunity. It's given to us by Christ. It's his, it's his death, his burial, his resurrection. We've been given this amazing opportunity to live with great expectation, but then we would struggle to live in that great expectation, okay? Now, why? Why is this easier said than done? So I wanna talk to you about this struggle for a minute, and then I wanna, I wanna give you some hope and some handles for at the end, talk about kinda how to lock, lock hold of this, okay? But let's talk about the struggles for a minute and talk about how this plays out. So I wanna introduce you or reintroduce you maybe to this lady that's in the Bible. Her name is Mary Magdalene. And Mary is this really, really interesting lady that's kind of all throughout Jesus' story. So if you're unfamiliar with her, Jesus met Mary like early on in what we call his ministry, like the time where he's really teaching and kind of starts to go public about being God. And he meets Mary, and she's in a very difficult place. The Bible says that Jesus delivered her from uh, demons that had control of her. And then we would know a little bit like that, that because of how she was controlled, she would have been used, she would have been abused. You just kind of do the math of how a, 
a woman would have been treated in the ancient world. So when Jesus first met Mary, her life is in a very difficult place. Her past would have been in a very difficult place. Her circumstances would have been in a very difficult place. She meets Jesus, he delivers her, she accepts Jesus, we would say, as her savior, and she begins to be a part of the group of disciples that is traveling around with Jesus. So Mary's very like faithful and committed to Jesus. She believes that he is God. Uh, she would have been around for a lot of his miraculous stuff. Like she would have, she would have seen the, the blind see and the lame be able to walk again. She would have seen people raise again from the dead or been very close to those things happening because she was in the mix of all of that. She loved Jesus. She worshiped him as God and she trusted him. Now what's fascinating about her is Mary finds herself right smack in the middle of the resurrection story. So John chapter 20 is where I wanna hang out here this weekend. So if you got a Bible, if you wanna use your phones, John chapter 20 is one of the places where the details of the resurrection are recorded. And what you're gonna find in John chapter 20 is Mary is like in the middle of those details. So this is, this is what the scripture says. She's standing outside the tomb. So Mary would have gone to the tomb with spices. This is just the way that you cared for a body in the ancient world, right? So we're not gonna do things the way that we do it today. You don't embalm people. They would use spices to like deal with the ramifications of a dead body. So she's there. She's like trying to go there to care for Jesus's body and like do that stuff. So she's outside the tomb. She, she, got to the tomb first, and when she first went to the tomb to care for his body, she got to the tomb and she saw that it was open. She went back, she told Peter and John, they race to the tomb, she follows them, they look in, the body's gone, they take off, and now Mary's standing there by herself, okay? The tomb is open, there's no body. So she's standing outside the tomb crying, as she wept, she stooped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head of, and the other at the, the feet of the place where the body of Jesus had been laying. Dear friend, dear woman, why are you crying, the angels asked her. And she said this, because they have taken, they have taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they have put him. So she's there, the tomb's open, there's two angels that are there talking to her. She is crying and upset, and they say, what's wrong? And she's like, somebody stole his body, and I don't know what they did with his body. I don't know where they have taken him, right? Now, I, I want us to get our head around this a little bit. One of the reasons why we struggle to live with great expectation, and we struggle to have that perspective, is because of this. It's hard to live with great expectation when you're in pain. It's hard to live with great expectation when, when, when you're in pain. And I, I want you to think about this for a second. Here's Mary, Mary who heard Jesus say, I'm, I'm going to raise again in, in three days. Mary who believed that Jesus was the Messiah and all of the Old Testament prophecies said the Messiah was gonna raise again in three days. Mary, who had seen miracles, 
Mary, who was there when the, when the homeschool kids' lunch got turned into, you know, feeding 5,000 people, the fish and loaves. Uh, Mary, who either saw or heard firsthand of people being raised again from the dead. She goes to the tomb on day three. The stones roll back. There's angels talking to her. And the only thing that she can see in that moment the only thing she can think about is the dead body of Jesus and how it's missing. Now, why would she come to that conclusion? She would come to that conclusion because it's hard to live with great expectation when you're in pain. This dear person had been traumatized by everything that had happened in her life in just the last seven to 10 days. Seven to 10 days ago, she would have been with the group of disciples that came into Jerusalem where they welcomed Jesus like he was a rock star. And everybody's cheering for him. We call it Palm Sunday. Everybody's cheering for him, shouting Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. And 10 days ago, she's looking around and saying, hey, how about that? Everybody sees Jesus the way that I see Jesus. That was 10 days ago. Uh, just just uh, about 10 days ago, she would have been at or around what we call the Last Supper. There, there would have been like this whole group of friends that would have gathered together and had that meal. And it was a celebratory time and a teaching time. She would have been at or around that. That was, that was just like 10 days ago. It was just a, just a few days ago that a friend that she trusted deeply named Judas betrayed Jesus and turned him over. None of the disciples knew that Judas was going to do that. Jesus knew it, but the disciples didn't know it. And she would have trusted him and felt like she knew him. It was just a few days ago that, that another one of her friends, who she thought was like one of the bravest guys on planet Earth, Peter, acted like a coward and denied Jesus three times and yelled at a kid who said, no, no, aren't you one? He's like, no, no, I'm not. Cursed at her. That was just like a few days ago. It was just a few days ago that she would have seen Jesus be tried and convicted by a corrupt judicial and political system. Uh, she would have seen the Romans beat him so badly that the Old Testament says that the Son of Man was beaten so badly that he didn't even look human. So that somebody she loved, who she considered to be her savior, she had watched that play out. Then she saw him be crucified and she stood with his mother as his mother watched all this happen. The, the trauma that has happened in her life in just the last week, week and a half, the shock that she's in, the bewilderment that she's in, the, the disbelief that she's in, the fear that she has, see. It's so great in her life that when she is standing at the tomb and it's open and she's talking to angels who are telling her that Jesus is resurrected, she can't get her mind around it. Because all she can think about is the pain that she's gone through and the dead body that was put in there three days ago. I wrote this down in our notes. I think it's important, here it is. 
Pain can rob us of hope, perspective, and it can blind us to the truth. Pain can rob us of hope, pain can rob us of perspective, and it can, it can blind us to the truth. Why do we sometimes have trouble living in the hope of the resurrection and living with the great expectation of the resurrection? Sometimes you struggle with that because of the pain that you're in and the pain that you've gone through. If you've ever lost a loved one and someone in an effort to try to comfort you said, hey, it's okay, they're in heaven, you wanna punch that person in the face, right? Because you're in pain. If you're in pain in a relationship and somebody looks at you and says, but there's hope for your marriage, you wanna punch that person in the face. Because you're like, I, this hurts so bad, I don't know if I can believe you. When you feel abandoned and wounded and somebody looks at you and says, Jesus is with you in this moment, you, want, you say, I don't feel it. I don't know if I believe it. I don't know if there's hope in me because pain overwhelms us in that moment. Even if you believe in Christ and love him, that's why you can, you can go to like an Easter service, hear about the resurrection. It's so encouraging, it's so mind-boggling, it's so inspiring, and you can walk out of that service and you can go sit down in your Honda Odyssey minivan and head off to Rockney's, and if you came in a painful relationship, heard a great truth, and started to go home in a painful relationship, that truth is hard to hang on to. If you heard all about God's ability to start over and to heal a family, but you went to Easter dinner with a family where there's lots of pain and a lot of bad memories, it's hard to hang on to that promise when you're in that pain. And poor Mary, bless her heart, she's, she's overwhelmed, so much so that she's in the resurrection story and she can't see it because she's hurting so badly in her life, right? She's lost the ability in that moment to live in the great expectation. Now it's interesting as it goes on, I think the other big thing that happens is this. When we're in pain, we lose that perspective, it's hard to hang on to that truth. But here's the other thing that happens to us a lot of times in our life. When we're in pain or when we're distracted, this is what we'll tend to do. We will look through Jesus' presence instead of at him. We'll look through Jesus instead of at him. And it's real fascinating what happened to Mary. So she's there, she's talking to the angels, she's crying, she's upset. The scripture says she turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, ready? But she didn't recognize him. So she's looking for him, she's thinking about him, she's hurting. She sees Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear friend, why are you crying, Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will go and I will get him. She's still thinking about his dead body. The resurrection is not in her purview. She's in pain, 
Jesus himself shows up in her life in a completely tangible way, and she doesn't recognize that Jesus showed up in her life, right? This is not a life being lived with great expectation. This is a life being defined by great loss, pain, trauma, and distraction. This is what happens, I think, a lot of times. When I wake up in the morning, I don't know about you, maybe you're more spiritual than me, but when I wake up in the morning, I don't usually wake up thinking, Jesus rose again from the dead, he has saved me, he has cleansed me, and I'm gonna live in the joy of the spirit. That's not usually the way that I wake up. Usually I wake up and I think, who didn't put the dumb dog away? Why is the house a mess? When are we ever gonna get this yard done? Oh, the pressure at church. Oh, those people I have to leave. Like, I usually wake up with stress and pressure on my mind or a to-do list on my mind or a distraction on my mind. And what happens when I do that and when you do that is we will look through the presence of God in our life instead of at the love that Jesus has for us and the work that he wants to do in us. Jesus' brother, James, says something really interesting. He says this in James chapter one. He says, whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down from us uh, or, or from God our Father who created all the lights in heaven. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father. So the Bible says everything that is good and everything that is perfect is from God, everything that is good in my life, what Jesus calls the abundant life or life to the fullest, everything that is good in my life, and then everything that is perfect in my life, the perfect work of Jesus Christ in my life, all of that comes to us, and that is around us every day. But we tend to look through it, not at it. We tend to look through all of the good in our life. We tend to look through the, the people that we love and we don't recognize that as God expressing love to us. We tend to look through the simple things in our, in our life. Like when you start your car and it starts, are you ever like praise God that it, that it started? You probably don't. But you ever have it not start? What do you say then? You can't say that in church, can you? You ever, you ever praise God that you ate today? You ever praise God that you're surrounded by people who love you? You ever praise God that you have material blessings? You ever praise God that you have shelter? You ever praise God that the cat ran away? You ever praise God that Michigan left? All the good, all the good is a reflection of God's love for you. We just tend to look through it, take it for granted. Instead of praising God that he provided a great job for me, I'm like, whew, glad I landed that sucker. Instead of praising God that he gives me so much material blessings, like, whew, you work hard, you get ahead in America. Instead of praising God that you have a beautiful wife, you're like, I'm hot, <laughs> right? We tend to look through the good instead of at the one who brought it to us, and we tend to look through the perfect I don't know, have you ever just sat and thought and praised God for your salvation? For your mercy, for the mercy, for the, for the grace of God? We, we could sit here for the next decade 
and do nothing but talk about the grace of God and never exhaust the conversation. But we take it for granted every day. We could, I, could, I could talk about nothing but the overwhelming love of God for the next 25 years and we, we would barely scratch the surface of the conversation. And we, but we live in the love of God every day and we don't even think about it. I, I struggle to live in great expectation when I look through what Jesus is doing in my life instead of at it, instead of at it. There's an old song, I, I grew up, my church used to sing it all the time. It was called, it said, count your blessings is what it was called. It said, count your blessings, name them one by one, count your many blessings, see what God has done. You wanna change your day. This is not positive thinking. You wanna change your day. Start writing down the good that Jesus has brought into your life. You wanna change your day. Start writing down and thinking about the perfect that Jesus has brought into your life. Whatever is good, whatever is right, whatever is admirable, whatever is praiseworthy, whatever is noble, think about these things. And if you go from whatever is in front of me, whatever is urgent, whatever is stressing me, whatever is pressuring me, whatever I want to get done, and you shift your mind and start looking at the goodness and the wonder of who Christ is, you will start to live in a greater expectation. And dear Mary is talking to the very one she seeks. And she doesn't recognize him. She doesn't recognize that what's happening in her life at that moment is actually the thing that she craves happening in her life. It's actually happening. She just doesn't recognize the one who's in front of her. Right? Now, this is, the, this is the thing that I love. This is the thing that I love. In this struggle, and we're gonna talk about how to deal with it. In this struggle, this is the one thing I think we need to remember, okay? It's this. His faithfulness to me is not determined by my performance for him. His faithfulness to me is not determined by my performance for him. I love what happens next, right? So she looks at Jesus, she doesn't recognize him. She thinks he's the gardener. This is how Jesus responds to her, ready? He says, Mary, Jesus said. She turned to him and she cried, Rabbi. He said, don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father, but go and tell my brothers, go find my brothers and tell them, I'm ascending to my Father and to your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene found the disciples, told them, I've seen the Lord and then she gave them his message. Okay, so I want you to check this out. She's crying. The angels talk to her. She doesn't get it. She finds the tomb open. She doesn't get it. Jesus shows up in front of her. She doesn't get it. She doesn't recognize him. And so finally, Jesus says, Mary. And I want, I want you to see this response. really cool. When he said Mary, he wasn't yelling at her. He wasn't like, Mary, good night. I mean, you saw me do miracles. You lived around me for three years. I'm, you know, I, I sent angels. I left the tomb open. I sh I'm standing in front of you. So he's not like, Mary, get your act together. Mary, 
her response to him was to try to hug him. So she didn't feel pushed away or condemned by Jesus. She felt invited, so she ran. He's like, hey, hey, hey I got I to gotta, like, make a stop in heaven here for a second. Right, get my body cleaned up. And then he says this, I love this. He said to her, I haven't ascended yet, ready? But he said, go, go tell the fellows what's going on, I'm ascending to my father. And he says this, I'm going to ascend to my father, Mary, and your father. To my God and your God. Look at her, Mary. He's not angry. He's not looking at her and saying, I just died for your sins and rose again from the dead. You're still, being, you're still swallowed up in your emotions. And he didn't look at her and say, Mary, what's it take? How human can you be? Two angels in a tomb? Come on, Mary. Everybody else has got to read about this stuff. He looks at her. He's like, Mary? She felt drawn to him. And he said, listen, I'm going to go to my father and Mary. My father and your father. My God, your God. Mary, you're my child. You're my sister you're my family. Jesus didn't look at her and say, what is the problem with you, human being? Why can't you get this down? He looked at her and he reminded her of his love and he reminded her of her identity, which brings her to a life of great expectation. Go tell the brothers. I saw the Lord. And his love overcame her pain. His love overcame her human perspective. He didn't condemn her. He didn't chastise her. He reminded her of who he was and who she was in him. That's a big deal. It's a big deal. The grace of God, the mercy of God, as we struggle in our humanity, imperfect human beings trying to understand a perfect God, we are received with patience and love and grace. Because Mary believed in him, she trusted him, she'd received salvation from him. She, she wasn't struggling with choosing whether Jesus was God or not. She was struggling to download all that he had done for her, all the opportunity that he had opened for her, this new life, this rebirth. How in the world does this even work? She was struggling like you and I would struggle. And Jesus was patient, loving, brought her in, assured her. Right? And it, she went from crying by a tomb to running to her brothers in Christ, saying, I saw God. All right. So that's the opportunity. And then this struggles for real. Am I right? Struggles for real. So how can we embrace the opportunity? I wanted to try to give you some handles for this, okay? So just something practical to lock on to. As I was thinking through the scriptures and what God says throughout the scriptures for us, 
uh, this is the kind of list I came up with. Here's the first thing. If I want to live in great expectation and I find myself lost in pain and humanity, what do I do? I think here's the first thing. Run to where you know he was. Run to where you know he was. So Jesus says something interesting in the book of Revelation. He says, uh, remember the heights from which you're fallen. And then he says this. He says, return to your first love by doing the things you did at first. So he says, return to your first love, and, and you do that by doing the things you did at first. So if you, if you showed up in my office and you said, uh, Jeff, uh, we're having some marriage issues. I'm like, okay, uh, what's going on? And I don't know, you know, we're just distant, you know, we're, we don't talk, we don't enjoy each other, we're not intimate anymore, we're just like roommates. What should we do? I would say to you, I would say, well, what did you do when you first fell in love? And you would start to give me a list. Well, he sent me flowers. Well, she told me how awesome I was. Uh, Well, he would take me on dates. Well, she thought I was funny back then. Uh, Well, he would would play with my hair. Well, I used to have hair and she would do that too, (laughs) right? Like, you you would start telling me the things that you did when you first fell in love, and I would look at you and I would say two things. One, you need to repent of the way that you've sinned against each other. Like, let's clear out that junk. Two, go back and do that. Like, start dating. Start complimenting. Start leaving the notes. Start whatever it is that you guys did. I mean, somehow, return to the things you, you used to do and it will rekindle a love and affection that you're craving. And it works that way in our relationship with Jesus. There's often a time when you look and say, I was like, I was living in great expectation. There there was a time when I was all about how God could work through me. There was a time that I had a God dream. There, there was a time that I was close. There, there was a time, back when I was in the small group, back when I was spending regular time in God's work, back when, when we were stretching and living on faith, like there was, and I would say, to live in great expectation, remember the time that you did. And wherever Jesus was, like go back. Remember the heights from which you've fallen. Go back and do the things you did at first and rekindle that love for for Christ. So whatever that was, and it's probably not the thing. It's probably not the thing. And it's probably not the place. It's probably the motive, the obedience, and the faith that took you to the thing and the place. Return to it. And life starts to be about what God can do through me. Life starts to be about how God can use my life to build his kingdom. It starts to shift into great expectation. Okay, Here's the second thing. Like I said, these are just practical to help you with it. Here's the second thing. Remember pain affects your perspective. This is so hard to do, especially when you're you're in pain. any of you a grumpy, sick person? Raise your hands. 
I see, have him raise his hand, right? I see, yeah. That, so any of you like a grumpy sick person, right? I'm a grumpy sick person, right? And so this is the way that it works when I'm grumpy, because I don't like to admit that I'm sick. So uh, if I'm sick, Heidi will look at me and she'll say, um, you don't seem to be feeling well. And I'll say, I feel fine. And she'll say, well, maybe you should lay down and take medicine. And I'll be like, laying down taking medicine is for the week. I feel fine. And she'll say, um, well, you need some rest. I don't need rest. And she'll say, well, you're kind of grumpy. I'm like, I'm not grumpy, you're grumpy. And she's like, well, why did you just snap at me? I didn't snap at you, you snapped at me. Why are you even snapping at me? Right? I'm a grumpy, sick person. And part of the reason I'm a grumpy, sick person is I won't stop and be honest that because I'm sick and because I'm tired, my perspective's off. And for me, I'm just, you guys are, you know, more spiritual than I am, but for me, I'm gonna blame you. Because in my world, if you just left me alone, I'd feel fine. So I'm just gonna blame you. And this happens in our relationship with each other and it happens in our relationship with God. When I'm in pain, my per, I'm, I, my, I have a terrible time healing the, hearing the truth of God. When I'm in pain, I have a terrible time trusting God. I have a terrible time leaning into that relationship. So sometimes the solution to that is, to, is simply to realize like, yeah, I'm in pain and I'm probably not reading this the right way. And if I can make that honest admission to myself, um, what can happen is I can allow, when, when I quit blaming Heidi and making, like, you're the grumpy one, I can allow her to minister to me, which alleviates my pain. So sometimes just remembering that, why am I like this? And have a, stop and, and reverse engineer it for a second. Oh, well, I got this pressure at work. I felt like a failure here. I had a bad dad moment right here. This person didn't speak it. And like, oh, yeah. And when I can be honest, because God is a loving God, he is good and he is perfect, he brings out the He's not the grumpy one. He's not the emotional one. So when I can be honest and I can take a step back for a second and say, it's me, it's not you, I can allow God to minister to me the way that I actually need him to do that. Here's the third thing I, write, I wrote down is, I wrote down this. See Jesus around you. See Jesus around you. Now listen, I don't mean this mystically and I don't mean this as positive thinking. I mean that every good and perfect thing comes from God. So that friend is sent to you by God. Your church is a spiritual family that Jesus created in part for you to be a part of. That provision, your spouse, your children, like see God's goodness around you, right? Because God is good to you. He is good to you. We just take it for granted. And when I stop and I see God's goodness around me, it really changed. It's amazing how I'll go from entitled to grateful, how I'll go from frustrated to content, how I'll go from anger to peace, how I'll go from lashing out as a person to being grateful that they're in my life. 
simply by acknowledging and recognizing that every good thing, every good thing is given to me by God. Look at the change, God. You, you didn't get your act together. God changed you. And I just start to notice that. I start to praise God. I don't, it's not just life is good and I thought positively. No, praise Jesus for what he's done. It changes that perspective and you start to live in that great expectation. And then here's the last one. Trust his voice. Trust his voice. Okay. Now, Ready? Remember that first one, this one? Go to where you knew God was. Well, I can tell you where God is. I can tell you how to meet with God, and it's in this. So if you want to hear the voice of God, 99.9% .9 of the time, the voice of God sounds like the Bible. And the Bible says that it's alive and it's active, and the Holy Spirit of God interacts through it to us. If you want to hear the voice of God, you spend time in God's word. I have a friend, he says, if you want to know what God sounds like, read the Bible. And he says, if you want to hear his voice audibly, read the Bible out loud. And I bet you, if there was a time in your life that you felt close and connected and trust, trusted and were kind of filled with great expectation, I bet you at the center of all that, you were spending time in God's word, knowing his heart, knowing his mind. And one of the things that I do when I need to live in great expectation, I wanna do that, is I go and I start reading the Bible and I see what God has done. And I realize that what he, what he did is what he is doing. This isn't a record of history, this is a description of the heart and the mind of God described and captured in circumstance. So when I, when I see what God did, I can see what God is going to do and can do in my life and the life of the people around me. And hearing the voice of God, when, when Jesus said Mary, she recognized that voice. And the primary way that God speaks through us is through his word. So take in a minute, guys, listen, trust me, if, if this doesn't work, I'll make a bet with you. If it doesn't work, you can buy me sushi. Anything I want, you can buy it for me, right? So I, I double dog you. you. You start carving out of your day 20 minutes, 30 minutes. Put the phone f out of your reach. Take a deep breath. Start in the book of John. If you've never done this before, just get to know Jesus and soak in God's word. Hear what he has to say. Let, let, it, let it kind of absorb into your heart. And you will be shocked. I promise you, you will be shocked how that changes the direction of your day and then ultimately the direction of your life because you're hearing, you're hearing your Savior. And that Savior loves you. That Savior is not out to get you. He just died and rose again for you. But he wants to know you. And the more you know him, the more you will live in this great expectation that he created for us to live in. Okay? All right. Would you pray with me as the band comes out? Jesus, we love you and we're grateful that you love us and you have done so much for us. 
You lived so that we could understand your heart. You taught, you preserved your word for us through your Holy Spirit. You've given us each other. You created the church, and so you give us each other. And then you rose again, God, and you offer this abundant life, this deep, rich, meaningful life is what you want to give to us. So thanks for all of it. Lord, in all of that, you are full of grace and mercy and compassion. You know that we struggle. We struggle to trust. We struggle to have faith. We struggle in distraction and in our pain and in our humanity. And yet you, you assure us that you love us and when we've repented of our sins and given our life to you, that we're a part of your family. So God, even in these moments, through these songs, remind us of what you've done. And uh, God, use, use this time in a powerful way. We love you, Jesus, in your name.